If you would, Revelation chapter 13. When I preach, I like to start at Genesis usually and preach all the way to Revelation, but today I'm going to start in Revelation. Revelation chapter 13, verse 8. Man, this is a good verse. This is one you can live by. This is a verse that will establish your faith. This is a verse that's a rock you can stand on. This is a verse, if you stand on this verse, you can't be shaken. This is the verse that tells what God has planned from before this world was ever formed. Revelation chapter 13 verse 8. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship Him whose names are not written in the book of life. And here's the part that's the best part. Of the Lamb slain. Now you know the Lamb is Jesus, right? Of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Jesus wasn't slain 2,023 years ago, or about 26 years ago, although he was. He was slain from the foundations of the world. Before God laid the foundations of the world, before he set the world in existence, he already had a plan. Jesus had already been slain in the mind of God before he ever breathed breath into Adam. Jesus had already been slain. The reason? Because God knew you. And He knew me. And He knew exactly what you were going to do every day of your life. He knew I was going to sin. And if I sinned one sin, the smallest sin you can come up with, the smallest white lie, the Bible says not one jot or tittle, not one punctuation of the law will pass away. We will give account for every thought that we've ever thought. We will give account for every action we have ever done. We will give account for every second we live on this earth. And you know what? None of us measure up. And God knew if He didn't do something, when He breathed the breath into Adam, that every one of us would be in the flames of a devil's hell. But God loved you so much. He loved us so much. He wanted what was good for us. So He came up with the plan because He knew exactly what we would do. And He killed His own Son at the foundations of the earth. Before the foundations of the earth. Before the Word was with God and the Word was God and the Word spoke the world into existence and the Word, God's mouth, His breath that came out of His mouth made matter and made mass. There was nothing. Everything was void and formless. Tohu vavahu. There was nothing. It was waste. And God spoke it into existence. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and everything that's in them. Everything. Now, here's what I think God gave me today. Slain from the foundation of the world.
there was a man. His name was Jay. His name was actually Joe. They called him Big Jay. Now, the reason they called him Big Jay is because there was a little Jay. Now, Big Jay worked on the railroad. Imagine that. And Big Jay, one, it was one of those fall mornings. The air was nice and crisp. And the, the first frost hadn't come yet, so all the leaves were still clinging to the trees. And Big Jay walks out of his door, closes the door behind him, and he looks up, and the sun is just starting to come up. And it's cool and crisp outside. And all the leaves are still bright red and yellow and brown, and some of them even purple. And they're all still hanging on the trees, and there's a little breeze blowing. And Jay has got his grip. He opens the door to his house and closes it behind him. Now, what a grip is, if you ever worked on the railroad, your grip is your satchel or your bag or your suitcase or whatever you carry your stuff in. You opened it up. He had his lunch in there. He had his um, railroad lantern in there. He had his timetable. He had a, a, a rain slicker in there. He had some gloves in there. He had uh, a water, jug of water in there. Got to have that. And he also liked to carry his little New Testament. Because see, Big J was a Christian. And he, in between times that trains were coming, when he was working on the railroad, he would have time to read his Bible. And he, lo- he knew that if he read three chapters a day, he could read the entire Bible through in one year. The whole Bible. In one year, just three chapters a day. So Jay, Big J walks out his door and starts walking down the road. His job's about a mile, mile or so down the road. And there's a river that runs in front of his house. Pretty good sized river, three or four hundred feet across in some places. And they actually run tugboats and tugs and um, barges and boats up and down the river to deliver goods. So Big J walks out of his door. He starts walking to work. He's got his grip in his left hand. And he's going down. It's a dirt gravel road. And he hears something behind him. And he knows what it is. And a little smile breaks out across his face. He hears a little bit of shuffle of the gravel. And he hears the door close behind him. And he knows what's coming up behind him. It's little J. It's Jay Jr. So Big Jay, he gives little Jay a minute, and little Jay comes scuffling up beside him. He's probably a young teenage man. Not a man yet, but a young, older boy. He comes up beside him, and in little Jay's left hand, he has a tackle box. Because you see, little Jay loved nothing better than to fish. And in his tackle box, he had the normal stuff, the floaters and the bobbers and the, some lead weights and some hooks. And in his right hand, Jay had his pride and joy. He had picked up glass pop bottles in the ditches. And you could sell them in those days for like five cents a bottle. Get a deposit. And he had mowed grass. He had cut weeds. Anything a young man could do to earn a little bit of money on the side. And he had bought him a brand new Zebco spinner, reel cast, and rod. And then in his hand was this Zebco reel. And draped across his shoulder was the rod. And Jay loved nothing better than to go fishing. So little Jay gets up, catches up with Big Jay. And you know how men do sometimes. Big Jay reaches over and smacks him on the back. That's the way a man shows affection, you know, because we don't want to be too touchy and too filly. He smacks him on the back and he says, I was wondering if he was going to get out of bed this morning. And little Jay looks at him and says, Dad, you know I'm coming. He grabs him by the back of the neck and gives him a little bit of shake, you know. He says, all right. So little Jay and Big Jay start walking to Dad's work. So as they're going, if you look at the end of this Zebco reel, and if you follow the, the fish line all the way out to the end of the rod, and there on the end of the rod there's a little islet. And then 
the line runs back down to the third island down on the rod. And on the third island was little Jay's real pride and joy. There hooked on the third islet with a little bit of tension on it was a number 14 hook. And you know what little Jay had done? He had made his own fly. He had took a little piece of hackle feather and tied it around that hook. And then he put two big googly eyes on the front of it because man, trouts love googly eyes. And he put them on the front of that hook. And on the back of the hook, on the business end, where the fish don't like to get a hold of, Jay had his secret weapon. He had a little piece of shiny metal. It was so shiny, it was like a mirror. And it had a little bit of twist to it. And it was on a swivel. And it hooked to the end of the hook, but not on the curved part. And when Jay would drop his line in the water and would move it, that little chrome piece would spin. And it would flash the light from the sunlight. And the trout that was laying down in the bottom of the river, they would look up and they would see that. And it would look like their most delicious meal. And Jay just knew this was going to be the perfect fly. He had made it himself. He was looking down and admiring that fly. And Big Jay and Little Jay kept going to work. And as they're going by, Little Jay looks over and he sees the fogs laying about three foot thick on the river all the way across like a big blanket. And he looks at his dad and he said, Man, I hope that burns off soon because I need a little bit of sunlight so the trout will see this new fly. So Big Jay and Little Jay keep walking. And they get almost to where Big Jay goes to work and they look off in the distance. And there in the distance, they saw this huge black tower-looking thing. It looked like beams of metal sticking up, but not straight up in the air, but at a little bit of an angle. And Jay used to think when he was walking down, because he would go with his dad to work lots of times, because he would go fishing while his dad worked. Little Jay looked at that and he thought, you know, that kind of reminds me of that postcard that Uncle Billy sent us from Italy. It was the, oh, the Leaning Tower of Pisa. That's what that tower reminds me of. And he tells, tells that to Big J. Big J says, well, well, the angle's a little bit off, but yeah, it could remind you of the Leaning Tower of Pisa. So they keep going. And as they get closer and closer to this big tower, Big J gets up and they can see the railroad track. And little Jay's right there beside him. And Big J instinctively walks up to the rail track, railroad track and starts to check things out to make sure everything's okay. Well, little Jay has already took off down the bank kind of sliding, kind of running, down to this big rock that jutted out from the bank. And this big, huge rock jutted out, and it flattened out on the end, and little Jay knew that if he go out to the end of this rock, that the way the water eddied around the end of the rock, that would wash down and wash out the sediment, and there was a deep, deep hole of water right there where the trout loved to lay down on the bottom of the river. So little Jay is already out there on the rock, and he's pulling this. He's watching that spinner spin. He says, oh, this is going to be great. And he sees a few minutes swimming around, you know, and a few little fish trying to hit it. He says, this is going to work perfect. So in the meantime, Big Jay is up here. He's got his grip, and he looks at the railroad track. He instinctively looks left and right to make sure no train's coming on the railroad track. But he knows there's no train coming this way, but it's just habit to a railroader. You look before you cross the tracks. So this way, a train can't be coming because that big tower that they were seeing, seeing, that it was a, what they call, a rolling lift bridge. And it looked like two giant J's parallel to each other. And this bridge would raise up and roll back on the J part of the beam and would let the boats through. And then when a train was coming, the bridge would be lowered 
and the train would go across the bridge, and the boats would wait on the train. Now, Jay, Big Jay, he was what you called a bridge tender. He operated the bridge. He would run it up. He would run it down. That's what he did for the railroad. So Big Jay gets over here and he inspects the bridge, the track. It looks okay. He looks down at the embutment that the bridge comes down on, and he looks at the clevises, at the bolts, at the the um, the cables that tie to it that run back in the ground to keep everything stable. Everything looks good. The concrete looks good. You know the metals there, the plates there that the rail sits down on, the wedges that come in and the rail goes down between to keep them in the perfect line with the other rail. Everything looked great. So Big Jay goes over. To down to the big rock where little Jay was. And right beside the big rock, there's a tree. And on this tree, there was a rope around it. And this rope went down to a little skiff, a little boat. So Big Jay climbs over in the boat, and he sits down, and he gets the oars out of the bottom of the boat, and he hooks them on the clevis on the side. And he says, Little Jay, pull that rope loose for me, son. So little Jay rolls up his Zebco, runs over there, and pulls the rope up and throws it to his dad in the boat. So Big J gives that right oar one big pull and it kind of turns the boat and gives him just enough room beside the rock where he can put the other oar in the water. So Big J gives it a couple strokes and pretty soon he's making ripples across that smooth river. And he's going to the other side. And he looks back at his son he says, Jay, you be careful, son. Little Jay says, I will, Dad. But little Jay didn't give, he didn't hardly give Big J time to get clear of the rock before he already had that line and was casting it sidearm you could hear it. And you could hear the, the set of the, when he would turn the knob on the side of it, clock. you'd hear a little clock. And it was setting the line where he could pull the line back. And he would pull it back slowly. And that spinner would spin. And he would, he pulled it a little bit, pull a little bit, pull a little bit. He was trying to tease those trout out of the bottom of that river. And Jay was pretty good at it because he fishes all the time. So little Jay is trying to tease him a trout out of there. Big Jay rolls across. He rows all the way to the other side of the river. He gets on the other side of the river. And on the other side of the river, there's a, a post that they had driven in the ground. And uh, like three or four board pier there where he could just tie that little skiff up to. So he rows up to it just so he don't have to get in the mud. And he throws the rope over there. He takes the oars out of the left, out of the left side and the right side and lays them in the bottom of the boat. And he gets out on that pier, that little pier, and he starts going up the steps. Now, up the steps, which were made of old railroad ties, they were black and cracked and, and kind of wore a divot wore in them where people had walked up and down them so long. So when he gets to the other side, he climbs those steps and he comes up to the engine room. Now, the engine room was an old brown hoist, kind of like a brown hoist railroad crane, a big hook they called them. And it had all kinds of gears and all kinds of drive shafts and all kind of brakes and levers that were worn slick where you could put the thing in gear and out gear. So little Big J goes in there and he starts up the pony motor. He pulls the cord and boom, it fires to life. And the little pony motor is what started the big motor. Because you couldn't pull the big motor, it was a big diesel engine. So Big J reaches over and he takes the lever in his right hand and he gives it a shove. It locks the clutch in between the, the pony motor and the big motor and the big diesel engine turns two or three times. It spits out two or three rings of black smoke. And then it fires up with a rumble. And the smoke sags a bit, blows out a black smoke of diesel. And pretty soon after you let that diesel run a few minutes, that thing settled down. It's running like a kitten. Smooth as could be. It was old, but it was well maintained. 
The pony motor kicks out. Big J reaches down and cuts it off. And then he climbs four or five more steps up to what they call the cubicle or the cabin or the operator's cabin. Big J goes inside the operator's cabin. He sits down up on the stool there. And on his left-hand side, there's this box. Big. There's all kinds of levers in front of him. There's foot pedals down here with with grates across them so your feet don't slip off. And these are the brakes that set the where the bridge can go up and where the bridge can go down. So Big J has done this so much that he could do it in his sleep. He could do it with his eyes closed. Sometimes he had, if I had to watch himself because he'd be running the bridge and he would go to sleep while he was running. He's saying, I've got to stay alert. So Big J's there and he, he feels the left gear. He feels the right one. Everything seems to be alright. He flashes the brake pedals and the bridge gives a little bit of alert. He said, yeah, everything's working good. So then he, he opens this box that's on beside him and there's a telephone. If you remember what one of those were. They had a mouthpiece and it curved up and there was earpieces for cell phones, you know. So Big J... He gives a, it had a little, uh, crank on the side of it. And when you turned the crank, it would make electricity. So he, it was two longs and a short was why you got a hold of the dispatcher. He gave it one crank, two cranks, then a short crank. So the dispatcher comes on the other line, end of the line. He says, hey, is this you, Jay? Jay said, yep, it's me. Just trying to get the lineup for the day. So the dispatcher starts going through the list of what trains was coming. So Big Jay takes his pen, pencil, He's right down on the paper, the number of the train that will be coming through, uh, J35, engine number 1029. He writes that all down, and then the next one, at what time it's supposed to come through. Because in those days, they didn't really have signal stuff. You went by time. So then the last thing he does when he's talking to the dispatcher, he reaches in his pocket, and he pulls out his pocket watch, which is connected to a fob on his belt loop. He pulls it out, and he clicks it open, and he looks at it, and he... Sales dispatcher tells him what time the dispatcher's got, and he checks his watch. Yep, it's exactly on time. Because see, it's a railroad-approved pocket watch because they they have to be accurate within a certain minute because that's how they run the trains in those days. So he says, "Okay, sounds good." He repeats it back to him. Dispatcher says, "Yeah, that's right." He closes up his pocket watch, puts it in his pocket, and he goes. So he knows he's got a train coming just pretty quick here. He's probably got a few minutes. He's got just enough time to get the bridge down, but he's not worried because. He's done it a thousand times. He knows exactly how, when he hears a train, he hears something off in the distance. And he hears a train blowing two longs to shorten a long. And he's blowing for a road crossing. And that's how you know to clear the crossing. And there's a train, and he knows exactly where the train is. He's back there at the road crossing where he's blowing the horn. That's a pretty good train horn, wasn't it? <laughs> you never know, I used to work on the railroad. But anyway... He blows the horn and he knows the train. He knows exactly where it's at. He knows the speed the train's coming. He knows how long it's going to take for the train to get there. But Jay's not worried because he's done this a million times. He reaches his left hand and he pulls back on the brake release and mashes his foot down. And you hear the gears start turning and spinning. And hear the brake take a hold of the, the cog that he's trying to turn. And the bridge lunches a little bit and it starts to go down. It starts to roll down, and Jay is watching this end of the bridge just to make sure it rolls down. See, he always wanted to watch it just to make sure everything went good. And he's watching the far end of the bridge, and the bridge is coming down, coming down. And it's about halfway down now, and here's the train blow again. Every so often they have what they call a whistle board. It'd be a big board and have a W in it. 
and the train would blow the whistle, and that way the operator would know that how close the train was getting. So he knows he doesn't have much time now. He's got to get the bridge down because this train's coming, and this train won't be able to stop. And the thing about this train, it was a passenger train. It had three cars of people, a couple hundred people on this train. And then behind the the people cars, it had about 20 coal cars, about 20 cars of logs that they had timbered, and all kinds of box cars. So it was a heavy train. He couldn't stop. When he shot the brakes, it would take him a half a mile before he could ever stop. So if the bridge was not down, he's dead. He's going to wreck. So Jay knows how important his job is. So Big Jay's letting down. He's watching both. He's trying to watch both ends of the crane. He's listening for the, the train whistle to blow for the next whistle board. And he looks out. And he can just barely see the train coming down the mountain around the curve because it was up track. It's about a 3% grade, which is really steep for a train. And he knows that that train can't stop. So that train's coming down. And he looks back there and he sees the train coming. So he's letting the bridge down. And it's going just like clockwork, like it always did, just like he had done a thousand times. He was having no problem. So the bridge is coming down. But then Big Jay looks across the river and he sees Little Jay. What's Little Jay doing? He's fishing. He hears the train. He knows the dangers. But Little Jay takes his cut rod and casts it sideways. But this time, when he casts it sideways, he noticed something splashed in the water. And it was an old sorry turtle kind of sliding, walking down in, jumping into the water, and they make a splash. So it threw him off his game. He went to throw sideways because he wanted to get that new fly. He is right down at the embutment where the bridge come down because that deep hole was there and he knew those trout was laying in the bottom. So he throws the, he throws sideways with the Zebco and it spins out there and plops in the water. And that wasn't a very good cast so he rolls it back up, plop, rolls it back up. And he gives it another spin and, you know, Big Jay's just kind of watching him thinking, that boy's got it bad, you know. So this time, He throws that thing in there and his aim is off a little bit. And instead of throwing it out way far where the embutment is, he throws it up a little bit because he's going sidearm. And just wouldn't you know it, the wind that just was blowing sporadically, a gust come along, and that fly went up on top of the embutment. And Jay said, oh no. So he pulls it and the fly is stuck on the Embutment, the bridge embutment. He yanks it, he yanks it, and it won't come loose. He tries to pull it, he tries to release it, he tries to flip it out of there, and the train's getting closer and closer. And Big Jay's over here, and he's thinking, oh, that boy, he's watching. And then the terrible thing happens. Little Jay gets the bright idea. He was a good boy, but you know, when you're young, you don't always make the best decisions. He says, I gotta get that fly out there, I just made it, that's my, Pride and joy. I can't leave that. So little Jay makes the decision. He runs up the steep bank. And the whole time he's going, he's reaching into his pocket. He pulls out his Boca tree brand three-blade knife and he flips out the big one while he's running. And he runs over and the bridge is coming down and coming down and coming down. And Big Jay, he looks to see what's happening. He starts hollering, Get away from there! The train's coming! Get away from there! The train's coming! And little Jay goes to the embutment. And he, he says, I, he looks and he sees where the train's at and he sees how far the bridge is up and he says he thinks he can do it. He runs over to the embutment. He jumps down in there. He takes his bulk of tree brand knife and he cuts the fish line and he gets that fly. But when he turns, his foot is stuck between the clevis and the support cable that run back in there. And he's stuck. And Big Jay is standing up. 
He sees what's going on. He's hollering at him. Get out of there. And he lets the bridge down a little bit farther. He knows that that train is so close. If he don't let that bridge down, then all those people on that train are going to die. The train will run into the water and the passenger cars will go first and then all the coal will pile on top of them. And little Jay is stuck there. And all those people on the train are going to die. Big Jay's over here. He's got a decision to make. Little Jay is stuck down there. He's trying with everything he's got to get loose. He's pulling, he's tucking, he's twisting. He cuts his tennis shoe. Nothing will help. He can't get his foot out. He's stuck. And the bridge is getting lower and lower. Jay pulls back on the brake and stops the bridge. He pulls back with all the strength and the bridge locks. The train blows his whistle. What's Big Jay going to do? Little Jay can't get free. Big Jay's got a choice. He can kill his son or he can kill all his people. Big Jay closes his eyes, grabs a hold of the handle, pulls it back, mashes the foot pedal, releases the brake. The bridge starts going down. Jay's screaming at the top of his lungs, little Jay, Dad, help me! Dad, help me! There's nothing Big Jay can do. The bridge comes down, comes down. The train's blowing his whistle. It's almost on the bridge. The bridge comes down. Little Jay hunkers down. Puts his arm up. And his dad turns his head. And the bridge comes down and he hears it thud. And it smashes his son. Big Jay has just killed his only son. The son he loves. The son his hopes and dreams were in. His own flesh and blood. Big Jay just killed his own son. It's just like Father God. From the foundations of the world, He knew that if He didn't kill Jesus, we would all die. And Father God, in His wisdom, in Isaiah said, we beheld Him stricken, smitten of God. Isaiah 53. God did the smarting of Jesus. Oh, He had men that did that. Wicked men. But God planned the destruction and the death and the torturous death of His own Son. His only begotten Son. Jesus Christ. And by now you probably figured out Big J is Jehovah. God Jehovah. Little J is Jesus. Jesus Christ. And we are the people on the passenger train. And every one of us would have died in a devil's hell if God did not kill His only Son. I didn't kill Jesus. My sins was why He died. But when He prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus didn't want to die. He cried out to the Father three times. He said, oh God, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. And his agony of his prayers became so great as he was praying there that the capillaries where his arteries and his veins ran together, they began to rupture and to bust 
and blood poured out of his sweat glands while he was praying because he was under such stress. And he asked God three times, Oh God, I don't want to go through this. I don't want to die. Just like little Jay looked back and said, Help me, Dad. But there was nothing Dad could do. He either had to kill his son or kill all the people. And you know what? God chose to kill his son. And Jesus prayed at the end, Not my will, but yours be done. Not my will, but yours be done. And God the Father, from the foundations of the world, killed His only Son on your behalf. If you go to hell, you'll have trampled through the blood of Jesus Christ. Because He already knew every sin that you would ever commit. He knows what sin I'm going to commit tomorrow and the next day and every year of my life till the day I'm dead. He already knows. And Jesus already made provision for it. Since the foundation of the world, this story already took place in God's mind. He already knew what you were going to do. He knew the exact sin that you were going to commit. He knows your every thought. He has the hairs of your head numbered. He knows everything about you. And He made provision so that you could be with Him. Because Father God doesn't want you in hell with Satan. The Bible says that hell was created for the devil and his angels. It wasn't created for you. If we go there, we're an invader. We don't belong there. God never planned for you to go there. But in God's ultimate wisdom, knowing everything, He doesn't force us. The Bible says when God created Satan, you know who Satan is, the big bad guy. He's not God's equal. He's created by God. Well, when God created him, he said he was created perfect. But wickedness was found in him. Satan had a choice. We have a choice. And if you're here this morning, could I have the musicians, please? And you have never received this gift, this free gift that God gave us so willingly. This gift that God made provision for you and for me that we all wouldn't die and go to hell, but we could be with the Father. If you've never asked Jesus to save you, the Bible says, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You call on Him, and He will save you. Would you all stand with us, please? If you've never done that, if you have never given your life to Jesus, or you feel like you've turned your back on Him, I want you to come down to this altar and we're going to pray with you. God made the ultimate sacrifice. His one and only Son. And one other thing I want you to do. If you have asked Jesus to be your Savior, I want you to come down to this altar too. And let's pray for just a minute because there's people that don't know this story. Come on down to the altar. Come on, let's pray. There's people that don't know about Big J and Little J. There's people that don't know that God gave Jesus Christ to die for our sins. Let's call out to the Father for just a minute. Is there anybody in your life, do you have a son or daughter that's lost? 
You have a husband or wife that's lost. You have somebody you work with that's dying and on their way to hell. God loves them and He doesn't want them to go there. He made provision for us to all be saved. Every person on earth. Oh God, we cry out to You. We Your people. God, help us, Dad. Help us, Dad. Help us, Father. Help us, God. Oh God, bring our lost loved ones to You, God. I pray, God, that You'd give them a revelation of Your great love, Father. That You would bring them to repentance, God. That they would know, God, that You sacrificed Your only Son to take our place, God. Oh, Father, bring my son back to You. Bring Brandon back to You. Call Your loved one's name out. Bring Brandon back to You. Oh, God, You said You're married to the backslider. Oh, God, You said You would fight with those that fight with us and that You would save our children. Oh, God, we ask You, Father, to bring them out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Bring my daughter Brittany back to You, God. Oh, Father, those people, bring them to You, God. We have lost loved ones that are dying and on their way to a devil's hell. But you made provision. Your blood covers every sin. Your blood, you sacrificed Jesus to save them, God. Oh, Father God, we ask that you bring us out of darkness into light, God. Out of the kingdom of Satan into the kingdom of God. We ask you, God, that the God of this world that has their eyes blinded, God, that you would remove the scales from their eyes and they would see their need of Jesus Christ, God, as we interact with people, Lord, that they would see Jesus in us, God, and we would be a witness to them. And, Father, they would come to know you and come to know your sacrifice and come to know that you have paid for their every sin, Lord. Oh, Father, we have all revealed. There's none without sin, Lord. You said all have sinned to come short of the glory of God. But God in His wisdom from the foundation of the world slew Jesus so that I could be saved. Oh God, put that picture in their mind that they can't get away from it, Lord. Oh God, bring them to You. Save their souls, God. Save their souls. May they have a revelation of Your great love for them. Oh God, You did it all for us. How good You are. We cry out to You, Father. We cry out to You, Father, Lord. On behalf of those that we know that are lost, Lord, bring them into the fold. Bring them into the family of God. Bring them to You, God. May they not squander the sacrifice. May You get the reward of Your suffering that You deserve, Jesus. You purchased us all with Your blood. May they come and be saved, God. May they come and be saved, Father. May they come and be saved, God. We, Your people, cry out. We, Your people, cry out to You, Father. You are Almighty God. Bless You, Father. Bless You, Bless you, Father. 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 Thank you, Father. Thank you, Daddy. Praise the Lord. Anybody need prayer for anything? The Father loves you so much. He would give His only Son in your place because He loves you so there any who are on here who gave their life to the Lord this morning? There is. Raise your hand. We need to talk to you. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Okay, you can be seated for a minute now. Worthy is our God. Worthy is our God. Jesus paid the price. He made the sacrifice. Our job is to pray and intercede for the lost and to share Jesus with them. Praise the Lord. Man, God is good. God is so good. He loves us so much. He would not withhold Jesus to pay for my sin. 
What a loving Heavenly Father. Thank you, Father. I want to thank you all for being here. Bless the Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for showing us your word. Lord, we cover this word with the blood of Jesus Christ. We pray that it would go into our hearts and would bring forth 30, 60, and 100 fold, Lord. See, a plant of righteousness, God. A hundredfold fruit of righteousness in our lives, Father. We cover with the blood of Jesus till Satan can't pluck it out of our heart. We cover with the blood of Jesus till it can't be choked out by the cares of this life, the deceitfulness, the riches, and the desire for other things. We cover with the blood of Jesus till our, our hearts will be good ground where the seed can grow, Father. We ask it in your name, Jesus, for your glory. Bring the loss to you. Amen.